And especially if they start seeing you more often and all of a sudden they'll see you walking down the street and they'll be sitting on their front porch and they'll say, Officer Joe, come here. Right. You may want to keep your eye on the house around the corner. Right. I see some drug activity. And the wealth of information then that that officer, because the trust has been created between that uh, resident and that officer, right. there is no better way in everything I've read over the years no better way to improve police community relations than by good beat cops yeah out on the street day in and day out you know but i know it's um it's an expensive way to police but i think in the long run it pays great dividends i'm kevin nicholson and this is the right idea podcast i'm kevin nicholson volunteer president and ceo of no better friend corp Thank you for joining us for season two of the Right Idea Podcast. This season, we're sitting down and having conversations with a series of great Americans to celebrate our country, to talk about addressing our challenges, and to lay out a path forward. Today on the Right Idea Podcast, we talk with retired Milwaukee Alderman Bob Donovan. If you lived in Milwaukee during Bob's 20 years of service, you no doubt remember Bob's willingness to push back on the absurdities of Milwaukee's city council. While he spoke up on many issues, he famously denounced the city's investment in its mini trolley, known as the Hop. My conversation with Bob covered everything from the history of Milwaukee to his time in public service and a look at some of the positive common sense policy initiatives we could implement to improve Milwaukee's infrastructure and its police force. This is the Right Idea Podcast. So, we want to welcome Bob Donovan here to uh, to Know Better Friends, the Right Idea Podcast. Thanks, thanks so much for coming. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Looking well, forward to it. We're thrilled to have you here in downtown Waukesha. Do you come to downtown Waukesha often? Well, uh, <laughs> not as often as I probably should. I should. I'll say that's, that. That's, but, uh, we don't my, hear that from everybody. My brother lives in Waukesha. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. So, uh, he'll be happy to hear that I'm out here You're and out probably visiting. stop in to say hi to him. That That's great. Well, we're thrilled to have you. I'm going to start off with a question we've been asking everybody that's joined us uh, on, the, on the series. And that is uh, basically, as you think about uh, the things you love about this country and the things that does that do make it great. What is your favorite part and favorite thing about the United States of America? Oh, I think just the freedom that we uh, all too often take for granted. The fact that I, I, I believe this from the bottom of my heart, that if a, a person in this country, more so than any other country in the world, if, if a person works hard and dedicates themselves and goes after their goal and is not discouraged by uh, some setbacks or losing right. once or twice. If you go after what you believe in and want to accomplish, you can do it in America. And to me, that's uh, the greatest, greatest part of this country. You know, it allows people to fulfill their destinies, their dreams, the things that they want to do, uh, and the freedoms that we're provided through our Constitution and our founding fathers. Uh, that's uh, what, uh, and God, right? Uh, you know, the, the freedom comes from God. Right. And, and the fact that this country allows us to exercise that, at least thus far. Right. And that's what concerns me sometimes. <laughs> a bit of what we'll be talking about yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more in the importance to, and I think this is a big part 
the reason we asked that question. So many other people have had answers that 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 very much aligned with yours. And you got to carry that message forward and remind people how unique that is in all mm-hmm. of human history and how important it is yeah. that our country enshrines that freedom and recognizes, as you said, that it comes from God. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not granted to you by the government. And it comes from God, and it's the government's obligation to stay out of the way. Right. Um, yeah, which absolutely. is a very different attitude than many other countries have had through human history, as you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Well, tell us a bit about your background and your service to the city of Milwaukee over the years and, and basically how you got started and, and, and what your leadership role was throughout that time. Well, let's see. I um, was an active uh, volunteer in a number of community organizations uh, on the Milwaukee South Side. Mm-hmm. And uh, people kept on saying uh, to me, Bob, you ought to run for Alderman. You ought to run for <laughs> Alderman. So I finally did in uh, 1996. Okay. Uh, was the first time I ran for Alderman. Uh, it was against a 24-year incumbent at the time. Okay. A gentleman by the name of Wayne Frank. And um, uh, ran against him, came very close. Okay. Uh, lost that election. By uh, 79 votes, and there oh, were wow. over 7,000 votes cast. Oh, wow. So uh, it was uh, you know, somewhat disappointing, but um, uh, stayed involved over the next four years, and then uh, ran again okay. and uh, was elected okay. uh, in 2000. So for 20 years, uh, I served the uh, residents of the 8th uh, Aldermanic District, Milwaukee's near south side. It was a distinct honor and privilege mm-hmm. uh, to serve them. Great people. Right. Uh, and I say that in all sincerity. These are people, blue collar, hardworking, uh, a district that uh, evolved into uh, probably about 75% minority. But okay. great, you know, large Hispanic population, right. increasing African American population, but great people people who were willing to, you know, roll up their sleeves and work with you. Right. Uh, not just complain and, uh, you know, blame you if right. uh, some issue existed. They were willing to help and get involved. So it was my pleasure to represent them and stand up and, I believe, fight for their best interests. Right. And... Um, then, you know, it, it got to the point, though, it was time to move on. You okay. Know, I, uh, I'm 64 years old, <laughs> and I didn't know that I wanted to go through another four-year term, so sure. retired uh, in April of this year. Of this year, right, yeah. And um, enjoying uh, the retirement, but uh, one thing I do miss uh-huh. is uh, raising a little hell when hell needs to be raised. <laughs> And there just doesn't seem to be uh, that voice at City Hall, sort of the voice of reason that I right. think uh, uh, our community needs. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and to represent the silent majority of citizens who just, I've said for years, Kevin, the average citizen in Milwaukee, they want a few simple things. Mm-hmm. They just want to um, live in a... Um, a clean, uh, crime-free neighborhood uh, with a minimal amount of problems for a reasonable amount of money. Right. And that's what local government ought to deliver. Right. And sadly, it's not. You see the direction the city is going, the homicide rate, the reckless driving. 
instead of adding uh, the police officers that we desperately need, they're reducing the staffing. So just a lot so of issues. I wanted to ask you about that. Well, first, the contours of your district are what, roughly? Like where... What are the Roughly on, on the northern would be the Menominee Valley. Yep. Actually, St. Paul Avenue would be the extreme north. Okay. Um, so you've got the valley. The valley and down to roughly Cleveland Avenue on the south. Okay. And then 20th Street on the east to 43rd Street on the west or the border with West Milwaukee. Yep. So, That's right. Uh, and, you know, the district boundaries, my district boundaries had changed quite a bit mm -hmm. over those 20 years every mm -hmm. you know with the census and so on they redraw the uh, uh boundaries of the aldermanic districts and so um at one time uh, i represented an area as far west as 51st street okay and as far east as 6th street so you covered you most get, of the you know, southern so half of the covered, city. Yeah, a <laughs> big portion of uh, Milwaukee's south yeah, side. Yeah, very know, much. Or parts of it. So, right. But, um, uh, yeah, great, great people to work with and great opportunity. And so. Absolutely. Well, you've alluded to a couple of things I want to get to here. So one is that, yes, since the onset of um, the pandemic and certainly after the death of George Floyd, you've seen... Uh, you've seen a number of things. You've seen people try to have reasonable conversations about what can be done better in policing. Certainly that's taken place. Mm -hmm. You've seen that largely overshadowed with people who have tried to malign in many ways uh, belittle the police and to try and basically reduce their resources. And one of the things I think you alluded to is that in Milwaukee, um, you've seen a spike in crime, that many times violent crime. And then you've also seen uh, I think next year the city is queued up to lose police officers, despite mm -hmm. everything that's happened. Yeah, tell me a bit about that, like what that first, like crime numbers and how they look, and then also too what the impact could be next sure. year losing officers. Well, the crime numbers are are really through the roof. Uh, we are uh, we've already surpassed the last record for homicides, and we still have half a month left to go. Right. Uh, so we're well on our way to 200 homicides this year. I think the right. previous uh, record was uh, 165, something like that. And that was in the early 90s at the height of the crack and I, epidemic. Yeah, and I so, can remember that. So, you know, that's uh, gone south as far as the crime numbers. Uh, we... You know, you're literally taking your life in your own hands if you drive through portions of Milwaukee these days. Right. The reckless driving, the speeding, the red light running. I have never seen it as bad as things have become in the last year or two. Right. Uh, just the general disorder that we're seeing in, in an increasing number of neighborhoods right. concerns me. Um prostitutes, the drug dealing, this, all this street activity that, uh, you know, decent people drive through a neighborhood, they see this. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to Quite slow literally down. scares them. Scares you know, them. Yeah, right. they right. certainly don't want to live right. in neighborhoods like this. Uh, they keep on going. Second of all, we're seeing a, a, a huge, uh, I think we're going to see a, a big, big increase in the property taxes this year. Much of that is due to uh, MPS, mm -hmm. our failing schools mm -hmm. that were forced to throw, you know, good money after bad, sadly. Right. You know, so 
And you couple all of those challenges with a very, you know, with all due respect to Mayor Barrett, just a very weak mayor uh, that, you know, I, 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 I couldn't tell you in all the years I've worked with him what his vision for Milwaukee is. You know, I don't know. It's certainly not pronounced, knows. right? <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, and then uh, a, a, a council that's become uh, so far left, it's, you know, falling off the cliff and it's dragging the rest of the, of the city with them. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a, they're in a world of hurt. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's and it's clear. I mean, I I was born in the city of Milwaukee. I've lived in and around it uh, throughout most of my life. And yeah. yes, the you can just drive through neighborhoods in the city. You see the impact on the families that live there. And you alluded mm -hmm. to a lot of. I mean, it's the crime. It's the schools. And mm -hmm. so the the vehicle that should allow kids to uh, put their life in the right trajectory and then invest in the city themselves as they grow and they contribute economically. That engine's broken. It's not working the way that it should from education on. And then, yeah, you throw in the crime and in many cases, a lack of economic opportunity. And it's basically right. sending every signal in the world to people to leave. Yeah. And that's a huge problem. And I think you're going to see more and more for sale yeah. signs going up because they're paying more for less and less services. Right. The services are not pro providing uh, what the community needs. And, you know, young families, too, want to move into a community that has a good, solid school system. 100%. And so, you know, that's been the albatross around Milwaukee's neck for decades, sadly. Absolutely. Well, and one of the things our group advocates for, and I believe very strongly in, is, is school choice as one of the policy solutions that can help to address that because mm -hmm. it can give families an immediate out into uh, an opportunity to get, again, kids immediately that are in the worst circumstances onto a better trajectory. But it's not the only answer. You mm -hmm. still have to address traditional public schools and Milwaukee public schools because you have a ton of kids going there. And, and to your point, these schools are simply not performing the way they should. Mm -hmm. And instead of addressing this and focusing on it like a laser beam, you've got Milwaukee city leadership pushing trains yeah. and the hop. Yeah. Tell oh, me a bit a... about the hop. <laughs> well, that was a... Uh debate that I was proud to uh, take on. I felt it was the biggest boondoggle the city ever involved itself in. And What was uh, the total cost? And like the upfront, oh, I guess the upfront cost. I, I couldn't even tell you. It's upwards of a hundred million mm -hmm. uh, dollars and it's increasing every day. Right. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the cost to the taxpayer and all I said from day one was, okay, this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, public works projects this city has ever undertaken. Mm -hmm. How about we have a referendum? You <laughs> know, pretty let's sensible, ask right? the yeah. people yeah. <laughs> if they want us right. to do this. You know, right. Does that not make sense? They refused even a referendum. So uh, that tells you, you know, that, uh, you know, the mayor, this was his baby. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if he looked at this as his legacy. Uh, what a pathetic legacy, if that's uh, the, the case. But it's uh, uh, going to continue to cost the taxpayers a lot of money. And they're between a rock and a hard place, because right. even if they wanted to end it now, they, uh, you know, 
built themselves into a corner that uh, they'll have to pay the federal government That's it. if they want to get out. So it's, it's part of building uh, a train. Yeah. You're kind of stuck with it. It is. It, it's a, a sad situation. And when I think of how that money could have been reused for other more important issues, it's just a sad uh, situation. It really you know? is. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, and I'd be interested in your feelings on this. I mean, my own art, I've, I live and work in, I've, I've worked in cities <coughs> all across the world. And, you know, I use the underground when I'm in London. I use the subway sure. in New York. I use yeah. the L in Chicago. And part of the reasons people use those, I, I lived in Boston, and I use the T. And they go, they go above ground, they go below ground. The idea is they save time on that for people that, um, that traffic and use them because it's either too expensive to keep cars in those municipalities uh, it's just not convenient because it will literally take you more time. And so you will trade off the convenience of owning a, owning a car and the expense of it. Right. Be, and, and you know what? If you got kids and you're taking them on the, the train and you're going to a grocery store, that's not easy. But people will do it because circumstances make it such that it's worth it. Yeah. That's not the case in Milwaukee. No. I can, <laughs> I no, can leave my house not. in Delafield. Right. I could be in downtown Milwaukee in about yeah. 35 minutes pending traffic. And one of the reasons that our forebear city fathers took down those uh, those streetcars is because technology advanced to the point where it made more sense to have a uh, diesel-powered bus uh, mm-hmm. fleet for the county that right. got all over yeah. the county and comes with flexibility, right, where you can shift routes based on need and so mm-hmm. on, and you don't have to move tracks. Yeah. And I think so much of what came out of that debate about the hop is, oh, you retrogrades, you don't understand this is the future the reality, you're you're going back to 18th century technology. Absolutely, yes. It, <laughs> it's it, crazy. It, it is not the future. No. You're right. It's right. it's 19th century technology. Right, right. And second of all, you know, and I, I brought this issue up, and oh, the liberals at City Hall did not want to <laughs> hear this when I brought up Frank Seidler. Now, uh, Frank Seidler, former mayor, socialist mayor yep, of Milwaukee. As they all were back in the from, day. <laughs> from 1948 to 1960, mm-hmm. uh, and he was the one who took the uh, streetcars out yeah. uh, and hated them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and he is praised as, oh, the greatest thing since sliced bread right. uh, down there for everything else, but they never mentioned him <laughs> about the streetcar. Right. And um, I thought that was, I, I had... Literature. I had papers he had written about yeah. <laughs> how ridiculous a streetcar is, and I'd hand it out to my <laughs> colleagues, and they wrote the guy. They didn't want to even look at it, you know. So that'll tell you some of the pathetic arguments these people have. Um, well, such is, a strange commitment to a to a, a technology that just doesn't fit a need in our community and. And, and again, you, you bring up, and I don't think all of our problems can be solved with money, but there's a huge opportunity cost as to, A, getting stuck with this thing going forward and the operational mm-hmm. cost it has, but B, all the investments you didn't make. And I know they'll come right. back and say, oh, some of this is quote-unquote free money from the federal government. No such thing. Yeah. We're all taxpayers. Right. right. And, but and getting, we're on the hook for it. Now. And we're on the hook yeah. for it, right? And then, yes, and we did spend money from our community on this. And to see that waste when... Again, I don't think we can fix our schools immediately with more money. I think there's many much more important cultural conversations we need to have about Absolutely. how do we get, right? But yeah. 
But boy, Milwaukee City streets could could use an upgrade. And it's that kind of yeah. investment in infrastructure right, right. that creates a combination of safety and commerce that people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And to just bypass all that and say, we'll spend it on a train because that and a good yeah. Bucks team will make people move here. And that's not true. It's just absurd. <laughs> yeah, just absurd. And I would say, this is, you know, if they say it's attractive to young people, what a lot of hogwash. Uh, because <laughs> the young people, this is the generation of Uber and Lyft, and you know, uh, at yeah, your I fingertips, right. a car pulls up and takes you where you want to go. Right. It does not go on a fixed <laughs> route that you... For 10 blocks. You don't, yeah, you don't want to go. <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, absurd, the whole thing. Right. And why I could not have got it was a close vote, but what uh, was the vote? I, I don't know. It was nine to six. So such um, an incredible detour we, to take. Yeah, on such yeah. a small margin. Um, you know, wow. we if I could have just swung a couple other guys, right? But, uh, for right. whatever reason, they were not interested in listening to their constituents. Right. Uh, they, well, yeah. ironically, and uh, you know this far better than I, but like many of the constituents that were most perplexed by this were on the city's north and south side who weren't going to reap the benefit of I mean, to the extent no, that anyone right. reaps the benefit of this, yeah. but certainly it's not servicing Milwaukee's north and south side, mm-hmm. in which live some of the most disadvantaged residents of the city. Yeah. And But yet what they are dependent on in many cases is a good bus system mm-hmm. that can get them right. to and from school and work. And I would have preferred this money go entirely to the bus system to right. keep that, uh, you know, uh, as quality as possible. But, right. you know, that's dwindled over the years now as well. Right. So, yeah, you've got a, a real some real issues uh, when it comes to uh, the priorities for the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County and what they feel is important to uh, pursue. Right. I want to switch gears a bit. We're going to keep talking about absurdities in many respects, but, but different different set of topics. The Fire and Police Commission. Yeah. Uh, the mayor makes the – I don't know all the mechanics. I think the mayor makes all the appointments, or he gets a certain amount of yeah, – so how does it work? The mayor uh, nominates, uh, uh, appoints these individuals. They're okay. confirmed by the council. They are. Okay. Uh, so uh, every one of these uh, members of the Fire and Police Commission – was appointed by the mayor and confirmed by the majority of the council. Okay. There were a significant number of them that I didn't vote for, but oftentimes I was, um, you know, uh, one of, you know, two or yeah. three at the most. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the mayor created this problem with his appointees and and it uh, clearly is a problem i mean it, we, yeah. i, I want to get oh, your yeah, opinions they, on the termination of chief morales but there's more to it there's the, yeah. the go forward issues too yeah if you're willing to talk about it i mean your take on the yeah, termination I, of morales i was um uh, just taken aback by the actions of the fire and police commission their members some of them sadly have proven in writings, uh, in social media, and so on, their animosity towards police officers, and yet Insane. they're you know on this board that's supposed to uh, act as uh, supervisors, are right. supposed to uh, 
you know, be impartial jurors, if you will, right. if an officer is charged with something or a wrongdoing and, right. and uh, his or her ability to appeal to the board. So, uh, and yeah, the, the firing of Morales, I, I thought Chief Morales was a good chief. Mm -hmm. I got along very well with him. Uh, I knew him for years. He right. was the former police captain at Police District 2 on the south side, which uh, he did his whole career in my I district. want to ask you about that's not always the case in a yeah. big city police chief. Right. Um, many times they're hired in from different forces. They come right. from who knows where. Yeah. But Morales is from Milwaukee, grew up mm -hmm. in the force, and to your point, had been a captain in precincts in, in, in your district. Um, and that's a lot to lose. Like, yeah. I mean, we can all say, like, change happens and people leave roles and so on, and that's life. But... But he certainly has perspective here on this city and the challenges that, that seem to have been just completely forgotten. Yeah, it was uh, very disappointing, their their actions, and it's going to cost them a fortune now, too, because uh, he's suing, of course. And, right. And I hope he wins <laughs> to send a powerful message. Right. Uh, but, I, you know, I've said publicly um, that the, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Fire and Police Commission needs to be disbanded and the whole thing needs to start all over again. And, you know, I, quite frankly, um, Kevin, at this point, I would almost argue that um, given the challenges we have with the Fire and Police Commission mm -hmm. and uh, no guarantees in the future and so on, I would almost support uh, allowing or a change in state law, allowing the mayor to appoint the police chief, which is the case in pretty near every other major, major city, city in America. Right. And then at least, if it's a bad choice, yes, you know who you can go to. Right. But now the mayor uses the commission, you know, to defray responsibility. Absolutely. Right. And it's so, uh, you know, I think uh, we need to enter the. 21st century and, and consider doing something like that. And then you know, having a board of citizens mm -hmm. that can oversee and and that uh, regular constituents and citizens can go to if they have gripes about the actions of the police. So a complaint board, right. but not having a, a board that has such power and authority, right. you know, that uh, I'd like to see that uh, perhaps looked at. You know, and I think a lot of um, what were then progressive elements, right, that push for these these boards, and it includes in many cases school boards too, very powerful school boards. Mm -hmm. What we found out is that these boards sit somewhere in the middle of having power but lack of accountability, right, mm -hmm. because people don't oh, yeah. pay enough attention to the power that they have. And you make a great point where a mayor, yeah, we can say that there's going to be bad mayors, right? But mm -hmm. at least people know who's on the hook for who hired the police chief. Right, right. And I believe, frankly, that city mayors should have more direct responsibility over the school systems mm -hmm. in their community. And not because they would do it right, yeah. but because they'd be accountable when they right. did it wrong. I would agree. Uh, and, you know, I will tell you, as a, even as an alderman, I would routinely deal with complaint calls from constituents regarding school right because no one knows who their who school board rep is and that's it but they know their alderman right and right. so they'll uh you know often call and i would then end up 
being the one to facilitate meetings with the school principal and the neighbors and issues, uh, you know, all around these things. Right. Whereas the school board rep, you know, and and yeah. yet they're voting on a budget just as large yeah. as the city of Milwaukee's. Right. People don't even realize that, but right. that's the case. Or know the name. Yeah, and they don't even know who this is. You right. Know? So, um, yeah, I think... And that's something, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that we need to take a closer look at. These, these um, down-ballot races yes. that have such an impact on the day-to-day -day operations uh, in local government, uh, you right. know, the school boards, the county supervisors, the aldermen. Right. You know, uh, we need to ensure that uh, we get quality people in those positions, you know. And as you know, that's difficult. I mean, we always, yeah. it, the refrain comes, like, these down-ballot races matter a lot, and they do for all the reasons that you mm -hmm. just said. But it can be hard to get people to focus. Right. First off, no one's thrilled with politics, and no one's excited about paying attention to it, yeah. especially at this yeah. moment. But going beyond that, it's it's tough to get enough good people to run for these offices, too. And so you end up with people that really shouldn't be making decisions on other people's behalf or who are so biased yeah. and so caught up in the special interests of the system, which is certainly true right. yeah. in law enforcement. It's true in education that you end up with just terrible representation on these issues. So I, I get at one point there was a push to say, well, we'll create these boards. These boards will be accountable. But the reality is they're not. Mm -hmm. And the Fire and Police Commission is a great example of one that's been used to defray responsibility, not make people accountable. The firing of Morales, I thought was crazy. I just read somewhere that, um, I think I posted about this on social media, but uh, the Mayor Barrett's next nominee has not just come out and said, quote unquote, defund the police, but she wants to <coughs> abolish the police. I know. And yeah. that's the nominee <laughs> to the Fire and Police yeah, Commission. Right, right. That's insane. So it's it is. It's just it's crazy. pure insanity, and I I was shocked uh, at Barrett's uh, nominating her. Right. And where he's coming from. Okay? So that's a question. I I don't know the mayor. I've talked to yeah. him a couple times. You, well, I don't you obviously... know him either. <laughs> Fair you know, enough. I really you know Fair. as much as I've worked with him right. over the I just can't figure him out sometimes. You know. That's a fair point, and yeah. I, I guess I was going to ask for your perspective. Where is this coming from? I mean, it, it, whatever whatever you think of his competence as a mayor, it does not seem like this is in his MO to be finding someone who's literally stating abolishing. Yeah. I mean, where is that coming from? Just appeasing uh, zealots? I don't, know. I, I don't I, get it. I just don't know. At times, a mayor would strike me as somebody who just uh, didn't want to be bothered mm -hmm. with a lot of details. Um, um, I always thought he was an individual that was never completely happy as mm -hmm. mayor. I always he's run for a lot of offices. Right. <laughs> I always thought he wanted the governorship, yeah. and yeah. he certainly ran for it three times. Right. Um, but he's sort of um, stuck in the mayor's position. He's 67 years old now. I don't know, um, I, you know, at the end of this term, he'll be 70. I sure. can't imagine, you know, again, if he ran again, I wouldn't be surprised. You it's know? a shame. This is, and I, I'm telling you things you know, but for, I mean, this is a city of roughly 600,000 people. And yeah. I want to say, what, now 20, high 20s in terms of the largest city mm -hmm. in America, I believe. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, it's a large city. It has real problems. There's incredible opportunity yeah, in it, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like I've always viewed Milwaukee's my hometown. I've always viewed it as like it seems like one where the answer is staring you in the face. There's a couple levers you can pull. Yeah. Make it safe. Yeah. Make it clean. Invest in infrastructure, right? I agree. Get the schools right. I agree. Right? You take care of those three things. Right. Milwaukee, in my estimation, Kevin, is probably, I always felt it was America's best kept secret. Yeah. It was such a the great beauty of the lake. To, and yes, yes you're right on the, one of the greatest natural resources in the world. Right. Right on its shores. Uh, we've got, a, a, I think, a beautiful downtown. We've got many great amenities, the arts and so on, that are, right. you know, uh, could rival any large city. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of great people. Right. Uh, good neighborhoods, a good history. Uh, and yet, for, for some reason, we just haven't been able to grab the bull by the horns right. and tackle the real issues that are holding us back, right. holding this city back from reaching its full potential. And one of the, the things that I think is so important for, as you think about what could be done in Milwaukee, the people that were, and then again, the revisionist history that's been thrown on this is insane, and the, 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 the ideologues have gotten involved in trying to twist mm-hmm. the progress that was made in cities like New York, which was truly unique and amazing. Yeah. Um, but it was those people that were most affected by violence that were most helped. And yeah, yeah. that did not mean throwing yeah. everybody in a jail. It, that was not what Absolutely. was happening. Absolutely. Matter of fact, New York saw a decrease. Right. So it wasn't the <laughs> right. broken windows exactly. policing that, right. that philosophy is everyone goes to jail. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense. Right. There are many ways to deal with disorder and criminality other than throwing people in jail. Right. And, uh, you know, I've been for years and years, Kevin, a big supporter of beat cops, foot patrol officers, the same officer getting to know that same neighborhood, the people in that neighborhood, and they getting to know that officer and that trust that develops. And And all it takes, and I have told this to cops, you know, if you're out, out of your squad and walking down the street, all you got to do is ask, how's the neighborhood? Yeah. And they'll tell you. Yes, they will. And especially if they start seeing you more often, and all of a sudden they'll see you walking down the street, and they'll be sitting on their front porch, and they'll say, Officer Joel, come here. Right. You may want to keep your eye on the house around the corner. Right. I see some drug activity. And the wealth of information then, that that officer, because the trust has been created between that uh, resident and that officer, there is no better way in everything I've read over the years, no better way to improve police community relations than by good beat cops out on the street day in and day out, you know? But I know it's, um, it's an expensive way to police, but I think in the long run, it pays Great dividends. Well, it's expensive in, in, on one metric, but could save an right. immense amount of money Absolutely. and help create yes. a community that has and, development. And because if a neighborhood isn't safe right, and isn't perceived as being safe, you can throw millions and millions Correct. of dollars into that neighborhood and it's going to go for naught. Right. Because right. people need to feel safe. And once that, that safety and stability is restored in that neighborhood. Other positive things can happen. 100%.
And you, yeah, and no, you talk about the importance of that trust. And obviously, there's different methods to it. You talk about BCOPs. I It brings up a couple of things that I remember in my own interactions with the Milwaukee police. One is as a kid, um, they used to give out baseball cards. That, that, oh, was, yeah. that was the thing right. in Milwaukee right. cops. Yeah. yeah. You would, as a kid, run up to them. I know. And, you know, and yeah. what an incredible dynamic that is, right? And how important yeah. would it be to recapture that going forward? But that was a big part of community and police relationships mm-hmm. in our in Milwaukee. Yeah. I also remember, too, you talk about kind of like that perception of people and police. It's interesting. I remember my grandmother talking about, <laughs> I think she had a crush on him. A cop that used to work the crossy, the crosswalk over by Grand Avenue Mall. Okay. She remembered him, his uniform. Every time they go shopping, she would yeah. talk about him. So many years later, but it does talk about like how it creates this perception and community of a pillar of strength of someone you can trust. Right. 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 Absolutely. I, yeah. You know, when I uh, I grew up in Milwaukee, born and raised, and uh, when I was a little kid, we'd go downtown. My uh, mom or my dad or both mm-hmm. would take us shopping. And especially at Christmas, we'd go to see the windows at all the stores. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. uh, Gimbal's and, and, and Boston store and the, the decorated windows. But one thing that stood out was that cop yeah. on the corner. It's there. probably the same guy. <laughs> and they were, every He's listening. One, every one, and there was one on put near every corner. Yep. And every one of them seemed six foot six. That's what she was And I love the old, they had the choker collars, mm-hmm. you know, and the double-breasted uh, uh, buttons. Right. And, oh, did they look sharp. Right. You know? I don't know that they could have gotten at their gun in a hurry, but anyway, <laughs> they, they looked the part, you know. And uh, that's That's part of policing, though. It and is. I, I, you, you touch on, yeah. You're the yeah. symbol right. of law and order. Right. And uh, it's important how they look, how they dress, how they I carry themselves. More. I could agree. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a. Uh, in fact, I years ago wrote a paper uh, on this very issue, the, yeah. the importance of beat cops, and it was entitled "Back to the Future in Policing: yeah. The Case for Foot Patrol Officers." And uh, those were some of the things. And George Kelling, I used much of of uh, the uh, uh, stuff that I used in that paper came from George Kelling, okay. who was the father of the broken, broken windows, windows right. uh, approach to policing. Right. So, yeah, it was a big advocate and, and one that uh, I, I think the city would do so well. And not every neighborhood needs one. Sure. But I would say you could probably identify a good 50 to 100 neighborhoods right that uh, could benefit immensely by uh, a foot patrol officer uh, every day of the week out there uh, getting to know the as i say the people and right and restoring some order and safety and then stopping just stopping criminality before it yeah. starts right i mean oftentimes it's just the the uh, five or six guys right. loitering at the drugstore that is keeping grandma from feeling safe to walk down the street to go right. in there and get her prescription filled. Right. So, you know, it's that kind of stuff that you, and you get to know those guys and say, fellas, come on, let's move it along. Right. Now. You know, take it over to the playground or what have you. Uh, no need for any arrests. There's right. nothing like that. But just your presence can make a world of difference in that neighborhood. hundred percent. And it, 
Yes, and I think what the, the big lie that's been pushed by so, so many, not all, but many in the media and certainly tons of people in politics has been that's not what the community wants. But the reality is that I remember not yeah. long after the death of George Floyd, we had a, um, a, uh, a, a group of meetings with Pastor Smith, a good friend from the north side of Milwaukee, and other ministers in the Milwaukee area and some in Madison. And to a T, everybody said, we want good relationships with the police officers in our yeah. neighborhoods. We, yeah. we invite them to church picnics. We want right. the community to get to know folks. <coughs> and that's a totally sensible. It's what anybody would want in their right. own community. Right. And this, this delusion that's been pushed by people in the media that people that live in tough parts of town don't want cops there to help stamp out yeah, violence that's is not insane. The case. There's not a true. vocal minority that may not want them. Right. But the average citizen does, and right. they want to feel safe. Right. And oftentimes, uh, people want to know that officer. It gives them a feeling of importance, uh, quite frankly, that they can go up and talk to that officer, and the officer can share things with that person. Right. So, uh, no, that's, uh, that's what our city, I believe, yeah. needs uh, a lot more of. And it could be done. Uh, with the right planning and and the the right the right priorities and the, right and the right <laughs> police chief too. We'll True. see what uh, what this commission comes up with. Well, and that's the thing, right? It does not appear the decisions in the hands of the right people to yeah. have this kind of attitude. But nothing we're talking about here is crazy rocket science. It's pretty no, simple stuff. No. It's stuff people yeah. have known literally for thousands of years. Right. Um, and I just think there is common sense. Yes. You know. Yes. And uh, that's where I think uh, we are lacking in so many areas when it comes to government. Right. Is people or the our elected officials, for whatever reason, get into office and they just abandon <laughs> their common sense. It certainly seems that uh, way. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, some of the things that I've heard, even just the whole premise of defund the police uh, or just disband the police. Oh, for Pete's sake, do right. you know how stupid that is, right. you know? Oh, I do know. But, um, yeah, that's what you're up against. Yeah, but common sense. If you could if you could pick, here, I'm switching gears a bit. If there's one infrastructure-type focus or item, it doesn't have to be just a single thing, but if there is an infrastructure-oriented change you could make in, in Milwaukee, if it's investment in money or, or just focus or whatever, what would it be? Like, what is it that you most needs to be fixed oh man i don't know where to you can't begin. eliminate There's, the hop. yeah <laughs> right, there, there are a number of things uh, whether one's more important than another uh, you know it's hard to say mm -hmm. let me just throw out a couple sure um we need um as when i ran for mayor i said which know, by the way what year did you run for mayor? 2016 2016 yeah yep uh, got my tail kicked, but uh, anyway, <laughs> no regrets, brother, let me tell you. Um, but, uh, you know, when you say um, we've got um, elected officials, I have said the biggest problem there is the timidity of leadership. Yeah. Elected officials who are there for a million reasons other than leading yeah, right. and showing some guts and courage to do the right thing. So that's important. Right. I think Milwaukee, uh, obviously our public safety issues mm -hmm. are, are critical. Uh, another issue that Milwaukee has to tackle is just the way we fund local government. 
uh, Milwaukee compared with other cities, sister cities our size, mm -hmm. um, is, is just still in the 1800s as okay. far as I'm concerned. It's re uh, reliance uh, on the property tax and shared revenue. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we need to explore different ways of funding local government. So our elected officials, the crime issue, the way we fund government, and then you take what funding you have mm -hmm. and put it into the priorities. Right. Safety, uh, our infrastructure, our roads, our sewers, our you know issues like that, and uh, um, those are probably the the biggest issues that that I would see. Right. It's getting the right people into public office and addressing the public safety and uh, addressing how we fund uh, our local government. And also, you know, the fact that our pension system is now such a drain on uh, uh, city financial resources. Very much. So, you know, the importance of looking at that uh, too. Well, the, I did research on this in graduate school. So it, it, we talk a lot about our problems with social security and healthcare funding at a national level, but I think what many people don't realize is that at the municipal and state level, we have a massive uh, pension problem. That, mm -hmm. And it's a healthcare one, too, to yeah. be sure. And yeah. that's something that affects, I know, the city of Milwaukee, too. But, yes, we have all these long-term obligations we promised right. out in terms right. of, on behalf of voters who don't even know they're making the promise, mm -hmm. um, in defined uh, benefit plans. Yeah. And that really does shift the risk from the recipient of the funds to the taxpayer. Right. And it creates obligations that we have not yet seen the worst of. They're coming. Yeah. They're not here yet. I know. It's coming to Milwaukee, too, in a right. year or two that we're going to see some significant uh, uh, cuts into, uh, you know, our fiscal uh, resources. So, right. yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a real problem that uh, I think has been kicked down the road for far too long like yeah. so many others and yeah. uh, you well it gets back to what you're talking about leadership mm -hmm. it, and in the end of the day if you're taking one of these roles because you just think it's cool and you want to hang out you don't want to work that hard you want people to know your yeah. name you know but you or, don't want to make the tough choice this or, is what happens or they get in uh to advance some hidden agenda mm -hmm. and and they their real interest is not in serving the public right and being responsive and right uh, you know, I, when I was alderman, I, I, I did some things that I, I felt was important mm -hmm. in, you know, I felt it was important to be out in the district every day, right? at least for an hour. It's your job. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I felt it was important to proactively do some neighborhood walks throughout the district. I, right. And I would walk twice a week for 20 years. We did this. Yeah. Um, Twice a week with uh, um, a police officer, the building inspector, a sanitation hmm. inspector, myself, with our clipboards, and yeah. we'd you know look for trouble, right, <laughs> uh, and uh, write things down. But people saw us, and I, right. I'll never forget. This was this was fabulous. Here I am. I I, I don't know if you're familiar at all with my district, but mm -hmm. we're on the corner of Twenty Sixth and Lapham. 
I do know and that. And I'm, yeah. I'm doing a, a walk with all my inspectors, and this lady across the street, older lady, <laughs> yells, Bob, come on over here and write us up. It's the only way the old man will do anything. <laughs> About her husband, you know, we wrote him up, paint the porch. The next week, the porch it was, was painted. painted. So yeah. That's great. That's yeah. true community service. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just I, I felt that that's important. Right. Sadly, you know, and I, quite frankly, I think a number of our aldermen now, are using COVID as mm-hmm. an excuse for not getting not out, be out there, not for not holding yeah. meetings, right? For not getting input from people, right? For not even showing up at city hall. Yeah, there's nothing stopping them from showing up, but but they right. don't, right? And uh, it's very difficult to conduct business when you know you don't see your colleagues, right? Uh, and that's uh, what's or your, happening. So or your residents, you know, right? Yeah, what they're right. going through and what the real challenges are. And absolutely, yeah. you know. So um, yeah, I, I think it's important that uh, the aldermen uh, be out there and and you know work with uh, people. I, I I remember another. There was a, a group of uh, seniors at the senior housing project mm-hmm. in my district that wanted a stoplight. Okay. And um, uh, stop and go light, and you know they're, they're hard to. They only budget for like two okay. every year for new the ones. whole city. Right, new right, ones, right. you know. So I mean they'll replace ones that are knocked out sure. and so on. But this was a new one. Well, I said you guys have got to organize and form a group, and I called them the Senior Warriors. <laughs> I even got baseball hats for them and T-shirts, Senior Warriors. And they had this gal by the name of Esther Hussey was her name. What a, what a great gal. Uh, sadly, she's passed on. Wow. But at the time, and she was a real vocal a leader of the group. She got about 30 of these residents together. They were on the phone calling the mayor's office. They were doing this, sending letters. Right. They got their street light. There you so, go. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm very proud of that in, in so far as we were able to get them together. But they were the ones who did the work. Right. And, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, at the beginning of our session, uh, I was blessed to have constituents that cared and would get involved themselves and roll up their sleeves. So that's just one example. Right. The senior warriors. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But you're meeting them and you make a good point. And we haven't talked a ton about COVID. Um, But, you know, the thing, not denying COVID is real. Of course it's real. Of course it has effects. And of course the most vulnerable people need to take precautions. But I would think if some of those Milwaukee aldermen were out there now talking to people, what they'd be hearing are severe concerns about economic situations and real concerns even though we've talked about the limitations of aldermen to deal with the uh the school district but real concerns on the part of parents about their kids falling way behind in school yeah and maybe this would change their tone a little bit about the urgency that needs to be brought to bear by yes being respectful and intelligent about how you treat a, a health uh issue and a health threat but yet at the same time realizing kids can't fall behind in school two years. No, no. You, you just simply can't do it. Yeah, when you couple that with uh, losing a year or more, uh, in ed- it's just uh, really sad and, and very fearful of what it's going to do. Right. Because, you know, kids who aren't comfortable in school 
kids who don't like school are the ones that end up dropping out. Yeah. And we can ill sure. afford more uh, dropouts from school. Right. They're out on the streets. They're the ones getting into uh, bad decision making and trouble, and uh, right. and they just dig themselves into a hole that is so difficult to get out of later right. on. Well, and that's it. And if you're going to take a role in community leadership and city leadership, part of yes, it might not fall within the literal definition. Like I've got responsibility over school X, but it it is community leadership to say we have a problem here. Mm-hmm. We have a real problem. My constituents are worried about this. My constituents are worried that they work in a restaurant, which is failing or shutting down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in addition to the fact their kid's not in school and they can't get child care for. I mean, mm-hmm. these are the kind of things that I think at previous moments in our nation or city's history um, will get people thrown out of office. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't deliver yeah. on these basics, yeah. like no one wants you in city government. I know, uh, and it's sad because, uh, you know, nobody seems to get thrown out of office in Milwaukee. That's the I problem. Just, I mean, <laughs> you know. That's the problem. What, why these guys continually get reelected for, in, in my estimation, a very poor job that yeah. some of them are doing, right? Uh, including the mayor, and right. yet he, you know, just slides right into re-election, you know, it's uh, very frustrating. Another thing that's sort of frustrating to me too, Kevin, is um, the business community in Milwaukee. Tell me about that. And um, frustrating insofar as they don't demand more. Mm. They don't organize, they don't get together, and which I think they should. Right. Uh, there's there's strength in and clout in in numbers. Absolutely. You know that. And uh, but they they just don't seem to um, be as aggressive as I think they should right. in demanding a little more from their government. Right. And we almost have a situation where, you know, they fear the government instead of the government fearing them, right. which right. it should be in a democracy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, you've got the tyranny of, of people uh, that uh, fear government and they, you know, uh, fearful of these elected officials. And, you know, that's not a good situation to have. Right. These uh, people who are in public office ought to be answering to uh, these businesses, and I think there's a lot, and, and individuals. So, yeah, it's just been disappointing over the years that uh, our business community has not demanded more right. uh, of our elected officials elected in officials. Milwaukee. Yeah, and they're, they're, I mean, you're saying as much, and I believe this thoroughly, there has to be a competition of ideas at yeah, the municipal yeah. level, and, and our state's biggest city that mm-hmm. in so many ways is the economic driver of our right, state. Right, right, yeah. I, I, I'm not naive or ignorant. I don't think that um, you're going to walk in as a Republican and start winning all sorts of races immediately mm-hmm. in the city of Milwaukee, but by contesting ideas and showing up, letting Absolutely. them know you care, yeah. it matters. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think what, uh, you know, any successful campaign, you know, you need a good candidate, you mm-hmm. need an organization, right. you need money. Right. Um, but... Uh, you know, if, if you're able to provide those things, right. you know, in the local uh, offices, they're nonpartisan. 
Right. So you're not running as a Democrat Quote, unquote, or a Republican. Democrat, Republican right. Sadly, right. they have all been taken over by yes. uh, Democrats. And the far left. And yes. the far right. left. Uh, and, and they're the ones that are putting money into these races. Right. They're the ones who are identifying candidates to run and replace so you may have uh, some moderate alderman or county supervisor or whatever. They retire. All of a sudden, there's yeah. a candidate there on the far left that's going to come in and replace them. Right. And so over a period of actually a relatively short time, it has gone so far to the left uh, in, right. in Milwaukee. So it is certainly a one-party uh, community. Right. And I don't think that is uh, good for uh, the city. And, you know, uh, I think they need to hear a more common sense, a more conservative agenda. Right. Um, Agree completely. And answers to these questions and these problems. Yeah, it's a big part of our mission and No Better Friend to go to every corner of the state and to bring that message. I don't kid myself, I think we can be the only ones doing that. It yeah. has to be done in a large-scale industrial and uh type scale in order to reach people and mm -hmm. actually say like look we may not agree with on everything today yeah we can probably agree with the fact that you're not happy with your kids school mm -hmm. like, like what could be done to fix this situation quickly because you yeah. don't have 10 years or a 15 year timeline to wait for some politician to screw around with this and maybe get to it in the future right you want answers now and i think that as conservatives we can get in front of people and say we've got yeah. good ideas on this, yeah. on this front you know another thing too uh mentioning the schools mm -hmm. When I was a candidate for mayor, I had been contacted by a number of teachers. Mm -hmm. And their union, of course, was big for Tom Barrett. Right. And all the resources go to him. Right. And yet these, uh, and I met with every one of them uh, on several occasions. Mm -hmm. These are teachers, just average, you know, uh, individuals that... Uh, care deeply about their profession. Right. I've always had the utmost respect for teaching as a profession. To me, right. it's a very noble profession. I have been blessed over the years to have had uh, so many good, dedicated, hardworking teachers in, right. in my life. But these were people who were literally fearful of going to work yeah. and how they would be shut up how they would be stifled in any complaints right. about safety issues in the schools at MPS. You, you know, and they were telling me horror stories of assaults and, and um, dealing with students. And, you know, they'd send the student to the principal's office and he'd be back in five minutes. Right. And uh, no backup by the administrators or the principal. And so, you know, placing these teachers in a very, very difficult, challenging position. And if you don't, if you're not uh, able to maintain order in your classroom, right. there isn't much teaching that's going to go on. Yeah, you know that. Every one other yeah. kid, every yeah. other kid in that room. Right, they're robbing each one of them yeah. of an education. Yeah, 100%. No, you make great points. And I, whenever we talk education, I try to keep the, the delineation clear Teachers are not teachers' unions, yeah, right? Absolutely. People that run teachers' absolutely. unions have a different I, agenda. I have met over the years such great, great teachers that are a part of the union, 
but uh, have told me that they're not being represented right by the union exactly you know? yeah. and neither are the kids yeah. that they're teaching and right. yes teachers they're going to go through what they go through they care about kids uh, by and large they want to be there to help they want to be there to do a good job but if their union is actually going to work against their interests and create an environment where a they're not there's simply not a culture in a school that allows yeah. kids to succeed that's a real issue and it gets back to this idea of there has to be a contest of ideas people need to understand that there are better alternatives available in mm -hmm. terms of just policy ideas yeah. and, and ideology that actually will generate success and i think mm -hmm. it's a huge part and I, we're not going to solve it today but yeah. it's got to yeah. be a part of what we do yeah. going forward as conservatives yeah. is go to people meet them where they're at and pull them on board and you know another issue with the schools is the curriculum and yeah you know, for sure what, yes what we're teaching our young people and of course uh, in my estimation and i'm sure yours we've seen uh some real problems in our universities now for decades yes uh, absolutely. as to you know you send your kid there uh, the college uh, you're spending a fortune to begin with and they come out hating america <laughs> right. uh you know it's just uh mind-boggling to me so but that's also, uh, you know, that's uh, trickling down to uh, our, our high schools and our grade sure. schools. Uh, so that needs to be addressed, you know. It's a real issue. We, uh, we've lived in it in our own family. We, um, our kids had gone to one of the best ranked public school systems in the state uh, because of a combination of our real concerns about curriculum problems that we encountered and also to lack of, of clarity on the COVID situation. We made a decision to move our kids into a private school district this year. And, and we had the resources to do it. Not everybody does. And I full well understand yeah. it. I, yeah. That's a problem. That's, that's a problem that we need to again, address. But to your point on curriculum, get away from the fact that even in the heart of Waukesha County, one of the most conservative places in America, we were seeing some very strange things creeping yeah. into the curriculum. Yeah. Uh, very anti-American messages. Mm -hmm. We also, at the same time, have found that as we moved our kids into a private school, that they're being tested on spelling and mm -hmm. grammar, mm -hmm. the basics, yeah. these fundamentals that even the top-ranked uh, public school system in Wisconsin was missing on. Yeah. And that's a real problem, yeah. and it's a problem that if it exists here, in, or what we experience, it exists throughout mm -hmm. our state and country. Yeah. And it has to be addressed. And yeah. Getting back to our, our some of the basics, comments, it's know, getting back yeah. to the, just like law enforcement. Some mm -hmm. of this is common sense. It's yeah. basics. It's not rocket science. It right. can be done, but you got to get people in those roles that are willing to say, yes, we have to get to basics and use common sense. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So, you know, those are some of the real chronic issues. Uh, and the challenges we face. Yeah, and the challenges we face. Uh, well, let me, uh, not only in Milwaukee and Wisconsin, but across the country. Across the country. Well, let's close on something positive. This is something that we, uh, 2020, we're about to close it out. Yeah. I think everybody's pretty happy. I don't think we get to January 1 and we hit the reset button. I think we're, mm -hmm. we're going to have to struggle with these challenges anyways. But yeah. nonetheless, this has been a challenging year for many people. And what I'd like to close with is just ask you about something that makes you optimistic about the future for our country, makes you hopeful about for what's next. What comes to mind? Well, you know, I think uh, I'm optimistic because of the people I run across every day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, you know, I hang out in Milwaukee mm -hmm. I, uh, <laughs> or the suburbs, I guess, and 
and uh, great people. Uh, people who are so excited that this year will soon be over. <laughs> people who want to get on to move forward uh, 2021 and get back to normal. Right. We're hoping we can right. get back to some semblance of normalcy. Right. But people that uh, every day uh, have that level of common sense that I wish our elected officials had. Right. Uh, but good people who care about uh, the community. So I'm optimistic because I run into these people every day. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky that I uh, travel in those circles, I guess. Right. Uh, you know? Right. Uh, because it would drive me nuts if I was with a bunch of pointy-headed liberals uh, day in and day out. Uh, and I never meet a happy liberal. <laughs> They're always depressed about something. <laughs> My God, let's get happy. Perpetually for offended. Right, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's why I'm uh, optimistic. Well, Bob, I think that's a good message to share, and that is the vast majority of Americans, and that's what we need to remember. And, and you're right, they need leadership that actually reflects that sentiment and actually gives them solutions that they need. And yeah. thank you for all you've done in the city of Milwaukee to oh, put out geez. good ideas and common sense over the many years. So. Thank you so much, uh, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity. I've enjoyed uh, being with you. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And Bob Donovan, thanks for coming to the Right Idea Podcast. Anytime you're coming back to downtown Waukesha, come, come see us. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Take care. I'm Kevin Nicholson. Thank you for joining us today on the Right Idea Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Right Idea Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Ricochet, Stitcher, Luminary, or wherever you listen to podcasts.